Man, I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit's touching me this morning. That was just awesome. Do you know, just before we get into the message, uh, as we were worshiping, a scripture kept coming to me. Um, I felt that the Lord was saying that there's some people here that you're struggling spiritually with some issues. Maybe you feel like you're distant from God or or that somehow or other you've let him down. And I just want to get this in. There's a verse in the New Testament. I can't remember where it is. Second Timothy, maybe Titus. Somewhere around about then. And it says, when we are faithless, he is still faithful. And even when we deny him, he will not deny us because he cannot deny himself. And if you believe in him, you're one with him, even if you don't feel it, even if you feel like you've been faithless, I want you to know today God is still faithful to you. And even if you feel you've let him down or denied your faith in some way, I want you to know he will not deny you because you belong to him and he will never deny himself. Isn't that good news? That it's, it's, not like God, it's not like God saying, three strikes and you're out. It's, I will be faithful. And even when you're running away from me, my goodness will be running after you. And if you ever feel alone in life, like no one is with you, just have a look over your shoulders. Because there's two angels behind you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Even when you feel alone, you're not alone. Even when you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death, keep going. The shepherd is leading you out of it. So if you feel spiritually dry, far away from God, that you've let him down, you're in the right place or you logged on to the right channel, uh, if you're watching from home, because I believe the Lord is going to bring healing, bring comfort, bring restoration to you today. Amen, church? So last week, we started a new message series called Kingdom People. And uh, today, we looked at the fact last week that God's kingdom is advancing of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. God's kingdom shall continually increase. Or that the kingdom of God is like a little seed that you plant, but it grows and grows and grows into a big tree. Or the kingdom of God is like a, a piece of yeast, a tiny little thing that you put into a big batch of dough, but it works its way through the whole batch of dough. Or the kingdom of God is like a little stone, a little pebble that grows into a mountain that fills the whole world. All of these images in the Bible say that the kingdom of God starts small but grows bigger and bigger and bigger. It's an advancing kingdom. And also last week we saw that the kingdom of God is not a place. It's not like the United Kingdom. You know, it's a territory. It's an actual place. The kingdom of God it's not a place like, it's not the land of Israel in the Middle East. It's not heaven when we die. Although the kingdom of God can be both of those places. No, the kingdom of God is wherever God is king. 
if he is king in your life, if Jesus is your Lord, then the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God can be in a community. It can be in a church. Wherever God is king, in an individual, in a family, in a community, in a city, in a nation, the kingdom of God is wherever God is king. And that that starts small. It might start small within your own heart, but it grows until it fills your whole life. It might start small. Somebody might plant a little church that preaches the gospel in a community where no one is a believer, and there's only six of them there. But it grows like, it spreads like yeast. It infects everybody like the coronavirus. But it, do, but it does them all good, okay? The kingdom of God is contagious in the best possible sense. So today, what I want to talk about is the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. You'll find this in the Bible quite often. It will say, it will talk about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the word gospel simply means good news. Good news. Uh, but very often when we use the word gospel, we actually shrink the gospel down to just one part of it. Usually if you say to a Christian, what is the gospel? They will say, well, the gospel is that although we are all lost sinners, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to not only teach us the truth about God and demonstrate it in his ministry by forgiving and healing and setting captives free, but by dying on the cross for our sins and rising again from the dead, and if we believe in him, our sins can be forgiven, we can receive the gift of eternal life, and we are saved, right? All of that is true. But if you said to most Christians, what is the gospel, they, they reduce it to that. All of that is true, but the gospel is much bigger than that. It might start like that when you, when you hear that message and you put your faith in Christ, the kingdom of God is now within you. But just like a tiny little seed or a tiny little bit of yeast, it has to work through all of your life, your attitudes, your beliefs, your character, the way you live, and so on. It will eventually change everything. And so, uh, so if the, that's just the seed of the gospel, but that's, the gospel's much bigger than just personal salvation. It starts there. But the, the gospel's never called in the Bible, go into all the world and preach the good news of personal salvation. It's much bigger than that. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. So now we're going to have to give you a definition of what the kingdom of God is. So what on earth is the kingdom? So let's have a look and see what in the world is the kingdom. So here's a definition. I've can, this is my own definition but I'm trying to cover all the bases at the same time, okay? So, God's kingdom is the rule of God. Wherever God is king, his kingdom is there. 
It starts with our lives as individuals and changes our outlook, our views, our morals, our character, and our behavior, and it grows continually. Now, can I just pause here? I want you to notice that this is the opposite of legalism. Do you see this? So, this is what you get in like cults, but you even get it in Christianity, especially in the more kind of hyper-fundamentalist parts. You get this idea where you need to change your morals, you need to change your behavior, you need to change this, you need to change that. And it's like a lot of rules that you're now trying to impose on yourself from the outside. Oh, if I change my morals, I'll be a good Christian. If I change my attitudes, I'll be a good Christian. If I change my behavior, that's totally wrong. That is religion where God wants relationship. So this is different. This is not saying try hard to change your beliefs, your attitudes, your morals, your behaviors, and then God will be pleased with you. That's not what we're saying. We're saying come to God just the stinking, sinful, dirty way you are, okay? Come to God just the way you are. He will forgive you His kingdom will come within you. His spirit will dwell within you. And then God will gradually change you from the inside out. The way yeast gradually leavens the whole batch of dough that it's been put in. You don't paint the batch of dough to make it look like a loaf of baked bread on the outside. You put leaven in it and bake it. And so you don't change, you don't put religious clothing on to try and look moral. I mean, have you ever noticed that when people get into religion, they even do a thing with their voice. Have you noticed that? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Yeah, it's going fine. Now, oh, can you say a prayer? Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. What? Have you got multiple personalities? One that talks normally to people and one that talks in a weird way to God? Do you know this? It's like it's all put on from the outside. And so that's not what this is saying. This is saying God changes our hearts from the inside, right? And it grows continually until it affects our families, communities, and our actions, and our world. It is God's new way of living and His new world which he is in the process of creating among us and through us. Now, that sentence there in the orange, I got this. There's a a modern English paraphrase of the New Testament. It's called the Good as New Translation. And it's it's all written in modern English. And it's maybe a little bit cheesy, you know, like, uh, so Peter, you know the word Peter means rock, Peter the Rock. So Peter's called Rocky in it, you know, and things like that. So, I mean, like the tra- Bethlehem's called Breadtown, you know. I mean, like they've, they've translated the words exactly. So when he got to kingdom of God, instead of saying kingdom of God and nobody knows what it means, they translated it this way. The good news that God's new world is emerging amongst us and there's a new way of living in that new world. That brilliantly encapsulates the phrase, the kingdom of God. God's new world is popping up all around us. And there's a new way for us to live in that world. 
right? It is destined to conquer every other idea and ideology until it fills the whole earth. It is spiritual, personal, moral, ideological, political, global, universal. I mean, anything that you can think of in life, the God's kingdom touches that. If there's a way to, you know, in anything, in, in the way that we treat people, in the way that we, we look after the poor, in the way that we do this, in the way that we do that, in anything in life, there's kind of like an ungodly way to do it, and there's a kingdom way to do it, okay? His kingdom will continue to come until His will is fully done here on earth as it is in heaven. So, here's the thing we need to get. Before the creation of the universe, God had a plan, and God's plan was that there would be a people who belong to Him. And that is given in a number of different pictures throughout the Bible. A very common one, and we have been singing about it today, pictures God as a father and us as His family, right? God is a father, and we are His family, His children, His sons and daughters, right? Another image is that Jesus is a groom, and we are the bride. So, I want you to notice the unity in all of these things. The father and his family, they are one. The bride and the bridegroom, they are one. Here's another image. We are a temple each one of us is a stone, a brick in that temple, and God's Spirit dwells in this temple. Us and God, one. And then another image that the Bible gives is that we are a flock of sheep, and the Lord is our shepherd. He leads us through life. He feeds us in life. He guides us and meets all our needs and protects us. There's another picture. But here's another picture. God is a king. We are his subjects, and we are all part of his kingdom. Do you see that throughout the Bible, God is using human social pictures, you know, families, uh, weddings, kings and kingdoms, uh, temples and gods, all of those things, he's using all kinds of images that we are familiar with in this world to tell us this, I want you and me to be one. Yes, yes, like I know everything and you don't, so yes, I'm the king and you're not, but actually we are kings too. The Bible says God, in the kingdom, God has made us kings and priests, so we're kings too. That's why Jesus is the king of kings. Who do you think the kings are that he's the king of kings over? It's us. We are a kingdom of priests. We have been made kings and priests, but the king of kings rules over us all. And so, that is the image. So, let's have a look at the good news of the kingdom. First of all, I want you to show you the good news of the kingdom, and then I want to show you the new life in the kingdom. 
because I said it's God's new world that's emerging amongst us, and it's God's new way of living in that new world. So first of all, the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. So I'm taking all this from Matthew's gospel. It says, at that time, John the Baptist came to the desert of Judea and started preaching, turn away from your sins, he said, because the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I, bet, I better just tell you something. And like, I, I want you to listen to the next few sentences really closely. Because many years ago, back in the UK, I said what I'm about to say, and some guy in the congregation misunderstood it and understood me to be telling the exact opposite. But he was a visitor in the church, and I met him three years later, and he said to me, I came to your church once, and you said such and such a thing, which I never said at all, and I thought it was so great, he said, I've been sharing it with everyone for three years. No, dudes, don't. Go back and unshare it with them, please. Right. He got a total wrong meaning. So I want you to say this. In the Bible, you will see the phrase, the kingdom of God, and you will also see the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. That does not mean, everybody shout, not. Good. That does not mean there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven which is what this guy understood. And he thought the kingdom of God was us down here on earth. And then when we die, we go to the kingdom of heaven. No, no. There is one kingdom. And there is one king over that one kingdom. But in the Bible, sometimes the gospel, some of the gospels were written to non-Jewish people. And they just put the kingdom of God. But Matthew's gospel was written mainly to Jewish people. And the Jewish people avoided not only using the word, the, the name of God, but even the word God itself. And so instead of saying God bless, because they didn't want to take God's name in vain, okay? So instead of saying God bless you, they would say heaven bless you. But what they meant was God bless you, right? And so instead of saying, for Jewish people, instead of saying the kingdom of God, they would say the kingdom of heaven. But it's the same thing, okay? It is the same thing. And uh, so, like, I'm sure you can think of lots of things that have two names, you know? And, uh, uh, and one group of people might use one word, and another group of people might use the other word, but you know you're talking about the same thing. So the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of heaven is near. So that's John the Baptist, and then the next thing, Jesus turns up. From that time, Jesus began to preach his message. What was Jesus' message? Let's look. Turn away from your sins because the kingdom of God is near. The same message that John the Baptist had. Jesus' message was the kingdom of God. Look, Jesus went all over Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news about the kingdom and healing people that had various diseases and sicknesses. You will find 
Wherever the kingdom is preached, healing happens. Because the rule of God, the reign of God is breaking in in that situation. Sin might have ravaged your life, but when you open up and the kingdom of God breaks in, cleansing and forgiveness happens. Maybe sickness is ravaging your body, but when the kingdom touches you, when God is ruling over that illness, it's healed, you see? And so it's wherever God is ruling. Let's read on. Okay, we're still in Matthew, we're in chapter 10. It says, these 12 men, the 12 disciples, were sent out by Jesus with the following instructions. Do not go to any Gentile territory or any Samaritan towns. Instead, you are to go to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Bring the dead back to life. Heal those who suffer from dreaded skin diseases and drive out demons. And can I just throw this little thought in? You can't do that if you're socially distanced from them, can you? Jesus didn't say, if you see a leper, run away. He healed them. What would Jesus do? He would heal people, right? Okay. And then it says, you have received without paying, so give without being paid. Do you see the message is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, God ruling in an individual heart and it growing until it fills our life. God ruling in a marriage. And you know, it's not just a husband and a wife, but it's a husband who is united to Christ and a wife who is united to Christ. And it's now a three-stranded cord that the Bible says is not easily broken. God ruling in a family. Instead of there being abuse or hurt or division, there is unity, there is love, there is nurture, there is prayer, there is care. God ruling in a church. Instead of a church just trying to work out through secular means how to get more people in and keep everybody happy, it's where God's presence is and where people get changed and when people get healed and where prayers get answered and where uh, chains are broken and captives are set free, God ruling in a community. And as more and more people in that community come under the influence of the king, the crime rate changes and so on. Do you know that in Wales back, oh, a hundred years ago, back in the days of the Welsh revival, um, so, so many people in Wales, so many men worked down the coal mines, and they took donkeys and horses down the mines, they pulled the carts, and, uh, and so the men would come out the mines, and they would, they, they would be covered in soot, and on the way home, because there was revival meetings going on everywhere, they would see a preacher and they would stop and listen. And the, the newspapers recorded that the miners all had white lines down their faces because they were weeping as they were listening to the message. And then do you know what happened? So many miners got saved and stopped using bad language that the owners of the mines had to retrain the donkeys because the donkeys only knew the cuss words. And they didn't know what the miners wanted them to do now. The kingdom of God broke in, and even the donkeys had to be retrained 
with nice language afterwards. That's the kingdom. He said, go and preach the kingdom of, yeah, oh yeah, next one. Let me read that one. Next one. Okay, now we're into the book of Acts. Even after Jesus went back to heaven, the apostles are still preaching about the kingdom. Jesus is still speaking about the kingdom. Look, for 40 days after his death, he appeared to them many times in ways that proved beyond a doubt that he was alive. They saw him and he talked with them. Now, Jesus is, has risen from the dead. He's about to return to heaven. He's only going to talk to them about the most important thing. So what did he talk to them about? He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And then in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria to preach. What, what did he preach? Philip was an evangelist. He went there to preach to unbelievers. What was his message? But when they believed Philip's message about the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, that was his message. The good news is that God's kingdom has arrived. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. You can become part of that kingdom. All you have to do is turn away from your sins and put your faith in him and the kingdom will come within you. And now God's new life is within you and you're now part of God's new world and God's new community. Do you see this? When they heard about the, king, the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. The very end of the book of Acts, chapter 28. For two years, Paul lived in a place he rented for himself, and there he welcomed all who came to see him. He preached about the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking with all boldness and with all freedom. Do you see Jesus' message? The apostles' message, the early Christian message, was about God's kingdom and about the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the kingdom. Many Christians today know about the Lord Jesus Christ. They know about His birth, about His life, about His teaching, about His healing, about His death, His resurrection, His ascension. He returned to heaven whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But then once we've got the everlasting life, now what? Now what do we do? Are we just sitting about waiting to die and to go to heaven? I mean, if that's all we're doing, it's still good news. I don't mind sitting about waiting to die and then go to heaven for all eternity. That's still a good, that's, it's better than going elsewhere for all eternity. So I mean, like, that's good news. But it's more than that. In the meantime, He is changing our hearts. His kingdom is expanding. It's growing within us. It's transforming us. It, more and more. Like, you don't, you don't get to a stage where you say to your wife, hey, honey, I woke up this morning and I just realized the kingdom of God is now within me in its fullest and I've got no more to get. You'll never reach that stage. I mean, you can try saying that to your wife and she'll say, I can tell you three things in your life that the kingdom of God's not in right now, you know? So, we will always be growing and expanding. 
The kingdom of God is God's new world. It's a new community that's springing up all around us. And as the kingdoms of this world crumble and fall, and they all do, people, they all do, Babylon is gone. The ancient Roman Empire is gone. The Egyptian Empire that slaved the Israelites, it's gone. The British Empire is gone. I mean, everything goes. Western democracy will one day come to an every kingdom of men falls. The Iron Curtain fell. Everything will fall. But the kingdom of God will expand and rise and fill the whole earth until the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we are part of the kingdom, and this is his kingdom community. So if the kingdom is God's new world, but also God's new way of living in that world, what is God's new way? What is, if you like, the manifesto of the kingdom? Jesus gave us it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody ever heard of that? The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus tells us how we should live in a way that's different from the world. Remember, we are in the world, but not of the world. We should live a different way. And I'm not going to read it because it's three chapters long. But if you do want to go through it verse by verse, just go on to our YouTube page. Just go on to YouTube, search for Gateway Alliance Church. And then on YouTube, you will find a message series called Jesus the Life Coach. And it's all about the Sermon on the Mount because everything in it is Jesus coaching his people, citizens of his kingdom, how to live life in this world. Let me just talk you through it quickly. Let's have a look quickly. Next slide. First of all, Jesus said that we are the blessed people. Everybody shout, I'm blessed. We are supposed to be blessed. Do you know what blessed means? And you know, the, the Beatitudes, so these are known as the Beatitudes. Some people call them the beautiful attitudes, or some people call them the be happy attitudes, because the, the word blessed means happy. Some English translations don't say blessed are the meek. They say, how happy are those who are meek, right? And so, these are, we are the blessed people. And it tells us that people who are blessed are walking in the bliss of heaven, the bliss of the kingdom. Those people, we are supposed to be like blissed out all the time, right? On the goodness of God. What kind of people are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be aware of our spiritual poverty. Blessed are those, um, uh, no, no, the next one's hunger and thirst. Blessed are those, what's the spiritual, what, what's the first one? Blessed are the, the poor in spirit, thank you. I, I wanted to go to the next one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Does it mean it's good to be poor in spirit? No. Those who recognize their spiritual poverty know that they need God's grace. We are aware of our spiritual poverty, but we also have a spiritual hunger. Blessed are those who hunger 
and thirst after righteousness. Listen, if you want to be blessed, be aware of your own spiritual poverty. You have nothing of yourself. As the old hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. So you've got nothing of yourself to offer except your sins and all of that. You're aware of your spiritual poverty, but you're hungering for God. You want God in your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. Look, we are hum we are oh yeah, and more well, I've missed mourn over it. Blessed are those who mourn. You're aware of your spiritual poverty, you mourn over it, you have a spiritual hunger, and you're humble. Blessed are the meek. You know, very often in our culture, we get all of these wrong concepts. So many people think that some, this is somebody who's meek. Uh, 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 could, could, could I, is it okay if I buy something here? I've got, it's okay, you go first. Forget it, I'm not worth anything, it's okay. That's not meek. That's a hang-up that you need set free from. That's what that is. It's a low self-esteem or something like that. The word meek, it means to have a humility that makes you want to learn. In fact, you could translate it this way, blessed are the teachable, <laughs> okay? It's like, I know I don't know everything. I know I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know very much at all. I want to learn. I will put, a meek person is someone who puts himself in a position of a learner. Okay. What, you're merciful peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Listen, God showed mercy to us when we didn't deserve it. We should show mercy to other people. Also, God is a peacemaker. Jesus reconciled us back to the Father, and we should be peacemakers. We should try and reconcile to one another, right? It's not always easy on social media, but do your best, okay? Sometimes the best way to be a peacemaker is to block and delete, I just think. But anyway, um, their hearts have been made, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? What do they get? They shall see God. They shall see God. Jesus, up until the time of Jesus, Jesus said, no one has seen God except the Son. But we'll get to see God because He's made our hearts pure and forgiven us. And they withstand persecution. Blessed are the persecuted and so on. So, we have an attitude that is totally relying on God working in our lives and strengthening us. Look at the next slide. The next thing is, we're salt and light. We touched on this last week. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? You're no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works 
and not glorify you, but glorify your Father who's in heaven. We are supposed to be engaged in the world like salt was put in meat to preserve it and to flavor it. We should be engaged in the world, but we are also a light calling people out of the darkness and into God's new kingdom. Let's read on. The next slide. The inner life and the outer life. I did a whole message on this passage once. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube. It might be, but it's called innies and outies. You know, like your belly button? Innies and outies. So if you just search that, you will find it. We have an inner life and it's supposed to show in our outer life. Look, anger in the inner life leads to murder in the outer life. So deal with the anger. Don't be an angry person. Deal with the anger before you become a murderer. You know, throughout the last 30 years of my life, there have been a number of people that the only reason that they didn't get a punch in the face was because I'm a Christian, right? Can, can anybody relate to that? It's like, I want to get mad right now, but Jesus said, turn the other cheek, right? Lust leads to adulter, adultery. <laughs> so deal with the lust in your heart. Stop watching things online that you shouldn't be looking at. And all God's people said, yeah, maybe we don't know, but Google does, and so does God. So be careful there, people. Reconciliation in legal matters like divorce and oaths and retaliation. You know, he's saying, just, you know, don't be vicious to people. Don't, don't be... Don't, if people are nasty to you, don't be nasty back to them. But, but I've got my rights. Yeah, you do. But let it go. The Lord is on your side and he will work everything out in the end. I think I've got one more slide. Do I? Do I, do I have one more? Spiritual fruit. Matthew 5. Love everyone. Shout love everyone. Including that person that has come to your mind right now. <laughs> Love everyone, including enemies. Pray in faith. Shout that out. That's what kingdom people do. Give generously. Shout that one out. And if you want to give generously, you can at gateway.ac slash give. Okay? And lastly, use wisdom. Shout it. Kingdom people are wise people. You might say, well, I don't have any wisdom. Yeah, neither do I. But the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and God will give it to you generously. Come on, we're going to stand together. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're, we want all of these good things in our lives. We are going to pray for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. Are you ready, church? I'll count to three and then we'll pray together. One, two, three. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our sins as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Come on, give God a praise, church. Yeah.